0: Thanks for tuning in to the Roto Fanatic podcast. My name is Michael Gobier. I'm your host of the show today. This is sponsored by rotafanatic.com. In case you didn't know, RotoFanatic.com is the place for all your fantasy baseball needs. Check us out. We got outstanding, top-notch artists. We've got the Data Monster, which is getting ready to be unleashed. We got so much to offer you. So please go over to RotoFanatic.com and check out people like myself, Paul Mamino and Matt Williams, who are both on the show today. Paul, how was your Thanksgiving? And are you excited about fantasy baseball right now, or are you kind of thinking football?
1: I am very excited about fantasy baseball. I think usually this is the uh, time of year when I start turning it on. Once uh, once we start getting close to football playoffs is when I really turn my gears back towards fantasy baseball. So Thanksgiving's yeah. always a nice, uh, nice time, but it's a signal for me to start the fantasy baseball season.
0: Wow, cool. Hey, Matt Williams, I know that uh, you love fantasy baseball as much as anybody. Did you enjoy yourself yesterday, and did you see my Lions? you see my Lions in action?
2: Yeah, it's it's a tradition unlike any other, watching the (laughs) Lions and Cowboys perform poorly on Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah, it really has become that way. Uh, True or false, the Lions have an under 500 record all time on Thanksgiving.
2: I would assume.
0: Yeah, I'm going to say true as well.
2: I would assume it's around a 100 winning percentage. (laughs) <laughs> hey
0: oh, it's not bad it's you know the early history of the lions which is fraught with uh, some actual victories. so it's all you know it doesn't really mean anything in the modern game but the lions are actually 37 42 and two all time so just under 500 too bad uh this is not a lions podcast though this is the rotofanatic.com fantasy baseball podcast we try to do it every week usually it's on wednesdays but with the holiday and all we had a little bit of scheduling that we had to adjust to so here we are on a friday we're excited to talk sleepers bust we're gonna go around look at the positional situations see who's gonna be a steal and who's gonna be just a waste just you know just somebody who's gonna ruin your draft and maybe ruin your season possibly could be that bad and we'll talk a little bit of hot stove and uh potentially where's john lester going who's
2: excited about that anybody <laughs> he should he should he should uh retire
1: do, do we have to be excited about that or can we just kind of let that one go
0: Maybe I misjudged the John Lester passion. Okay. <laughs> it it does happen from time to time. Uh so anyway, <laughs> let's let's get into it then. So let's talk about positional sleepers first. We'll go around. We're not gonna, you know, spend three hours on each position going over and over and over a bunch of guys, but we got some names for you. And we'll start with Paul here. Let's let's start a catcher. I mean, that's just where I f- I love starting a catcher. You start at the plate and you move out from there. Let's talk sleepers. Who do you got for a sleeper catcher this year, Paul Mamino?
1: I think my uh, my favorite sleeper catcher is Sam Huff of the Texas Rangers. Um, when it comes to guys like – so he's a big-time power, big-time swing and miss kind of a guy. But at the catcher position, it's pretty hard to find guys who really have the ability to get above you know 20 home runs, and I think he definitely has that. So I think that he's the guy that I'm kind of looking at right now. They don't really have much um, – he's not competing with really much behind the plate there. So I think Huff is the kind of guy that I'm looking at, especially in two catcher leagues late.
0: Hmm. Sam Huff. That's interesting. I, I'm actually surprised by that. I wasn't expecting that from you.
2: What about you, Matt? For sleeper? Yeah. um, Jorge Alfaro, again. I, I, I really liked him last year. It's, you know, everyone, he's one of those guys like Yandy Diaz and, and, um, and, Vlad Guerrero Jr. You look at his Statcast page and you're wondering what the hell, you know, what what is wrong? But his whole thing is elevation, like it is with those two guys. You can't project that. But right now he's going as the catcher 13 in uh, DC leagues, uh, like 246 off the board, and he's still, you know, they still have that new hitting coach that's going to allow them to elevate the ball more. He never really got a chance to shine or even get started last year because of all the crazy COVID nonsense that happened with his team. So um yeah for a value catcher i think that alfaro has a very good chance to jump up into that top five like you know if you're ever that's what you're the whole hope is to find this year's travis Darno, who would actually be my bust at the position (laughs) um but uh you know the someone who could jump up there and i think i think alfaro stands uh if he makes a minor mechanical adjustment he could be a little bit of a low-key monster the
1: uh the other big thing with him is that he's one of the few catchers that actually runs as well yeah very fast which um which is definitely a huge advantage. Like, yeah, he's not going to, you know, steal 15 bases, but he's going to steal eight more than any other non-JT Real Muto catcher. And I guess Dal- Dalton Varsho. But, you know, most catchers don't run at all, and-, and Alfaro definitely does. I owned a lot of him, and he didn't play pretty much at all because of COVID and and other issues he had. So that was a fun one.
0: Oh, well, <laughs> in 2019, he did have eight attempts. He was four for eight in 2019. So okay. maybe... maybe he could work on his timing a little bit but he does have the ability to do so so that's a wise choice on your part uh let's go back to matt we're gonna reverse the order at first base what about a sleeper at first base matt
2: i i don't know i'm picking like good values rather than sleepers because i guess you look at sleeper as a player no one knows about but josh bell he's going right now as the 21st first baseman and i the whole pirates season i think i almost want to uh, erase. There's, there's not a whole lot that is, that is wrong with Josh Bell other than just a bad 60 game stretch. All the improvements he made year over year from 2017, 18, 19 were all very legitimate. So I believe that he'll go back to the player we were hoping to see in 2020 rather than the one we got to see in 60 games. So again, for the first base, he's going as SB has a first base 21 Um at like pick 183 in NFBC draft champions. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, give me Josh Bell over like taking Luke Voit in the freaking sixth round or whatever <laughs> wherever the heck people are taking that guy.
0: Yeah, screw that, man. No Voit
2: for. I love Voit, hey, but yeah, I'm not yeah, paying yeah. I love Voit. Yeah. By the way, I don't dislike Voit. It's just this year's Alonzo. Don't draft yep. first baseman early if he's not Freddie Freeman. There's plenty of later value that you know that the first baseman two through fifteen that order can be changed up in any in any order. To be honest.
1: And uh, are are you worried at all? But at the end of twenty nineteen was pretty bad for Bell too, and it kind of seems like that struggles carried through. A lot of his damage was done early in twenty nineteen. That's my concern with him.
2: Well, I think it's different in how it went because he he the 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 actual adjustments he made to become a better hitter were still there. It's just some people were throwing him more breaking balls at the end, but he didn't seem to totally. Uh, not everything. None, none his struggles in twenty nineteen didn't mirror his struggles in twenty twenty. Um, so I think that. At where he's going again, pick like around pick 183. It's a it's a fine risk to take because if he was going earlier, then yeah, they, then I would care. But right now, I think he's going around where there's nothing but profit there, and you can pair him with another late first baseman like a corner infield or even on your bench where you can try to move on because there's so many there's so much late value there anyway. Where I think he's a just a beautiful bet to try and take. A no,
0: beautiful I, I bet. <laughs> Little U two for you guys there. How about that beautiful bet? Um, or some three eleven beautiful disaster. People hate three eleven though, so we shouldn't go there. Uh, Paul Maimino, uh, Paul, do you know three eleven is by the way? I, no.
2: <laughs> you mean the band? You don't know three eleven? I've heard of
1: them, but I I would not be able to tell you anything about them.
0: Wow, that is fascinating to me. Okay, Paul, give me a first baseman to, who could be a super. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I I mean, for me, um, there's a lot of caveats to this, but I think the guy that I'm looking at is Trey Mancini, who's going a little bit after Josh Bell. I I mean, I think what Mancini did for a few years for the Orioles is pretty, it, it's gone under the radar because they've been so terrible, but he's been, you know, upper 20s to 30 home runs, hits for a decent average. The counting stats have been bad because the team was bad. The offense is getting a little bit better. And and obviously, if, if he's healthy and, and all of his health concerns and seems like he's been doing pretty well from from what the reports have been if he can come back i think he's a huge value at you know 23 uh, first base 23 or wherever he's going just after Josh Bell um you know i i think that he's a consistent guy who could easily put up you know a slightly discounted numbers of what Jose Abreu did this year you know he's not going to hit 350 but you know he's going to hit high 2s and and hit for a good good amount of power and put up some counting stats Although I would say the big,
2: I would say the big difference there would be not not that I'm shooting down. I love Trey Mancini. I'm rooting yeah. for him. Um, is the whole thing with Abreu is his value is in his RBI totals that aren't yes. necessarily within his control, and yes. unfortunately for Mancini, they're not even in within his grasp.
1: I think yeah. the uh, the Orioles' offense is better than it was two years ago.
2: Although they're just cutting thirty home run hitters off the team, so that actually should help. Uh, Mancini. I was gonna say that helps him get, yeah get the empty get the empty RBI totals off the board
1: yep yep
0: <laughs> yeah that's a good point uh, what do you guys think about uh Eric Hosmer is he too high is he not he's not really a sleeper because he's probably too elevated
2: actually I think he's a good value I think because <laughs> of how well he adjusted to that new launch angle um I think that he's actually surprisingly low I'm not saying I'm targeting him but I'm I'm quite shocked he's not going higher. Because I yeah, think his adjustments were real. I think he's going to perform better than his draft price is currently at.
1: Yeah, he he's definitely going, you know, he's right around what, Moustakis, Hosmer, Mountcastle, Reese Hoskins, who's probably too high because of his injury concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like it's just I'm not going to end up with Hosmer just because I like some other players in that same, same grouping and I don't really – I feel like if I'm not taking one of the high-end first basemen, or I guess – I'm not taking Freddie Freeman, I'm waiting till, you know, later to take a first baseman.
0: I got it, man. I can't believe Josh Bell is below ADP on a lot of these guys. I'm with you, Matt. Like 183 ADP, 20th in this first base rankings, according to the ADP for NFBC. Man, that is wild. That is yeah, wild. he
1: definitely shouldn't be that low. I, yeah. I don't think it's <clears throat> that, you know, his upside is as good as almost any of the guys. A lot of the guys go ahead of him.
0: I would agree. Let's uh, go to second base, I guess. Uh, Second base is a fun place, you know? Reminds me of Lou Whitaker. I hope Lou Whitaker gets in the Hall of Fame someday, by the way. That's just a side note as a local Detroiter. Hey, sweet Lou, I'm thinking of you the day after Thanksgiving. Shout out to sweet Lou Whitaker. And, of course, if you love sweet Lou Whitaker, you can follow us on Twitter at Roto underscore Fanatic, where we will probably never be tweeting about Lou Whitaker. Just saying. Uh, Matt, what do you got for second base then? Second base sleeper.
2: Uh, Luis Arias. I'm going to do it every year. Uh, he's going right now as the SB, like, 35. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, uh, going pick 345 in DC leagues. The whole thing with him, as it was last year when I was hyping him up, is is uh, where he's going to hit in the batting order. Towards the end of the year, they finally elevated him. As it stands right now, he, he's going to be in the top third of that lineup as well. Because the whole thing is there's not much speed there. He's basically just like a, a guy who with a high average. But he could win a batting title. That kind of average is is hard to find that late in drafts. If he's going to hit in the top third because he's a base machine, absolutely the run total would allow him to have two elite tools for fantasy, which I think would just make him one of the steals of the draft. You don't need the speed. You don't necessarily need the power if he's going to give you elite average and elite run totals. So this is something where I'd maybe – would prefer to wait closer to the season, but if it's ever confirmed he's at the top, his value is going to obviously drop as he gets drafted higher. So right now, I think he's a good bet if you're drafting early to grab him because yeah, if he's give you like a a high three hundred average and you know a one hundred run upside, I think that that's just ridiculous for how late he's going because last year it was a guess that he could bat higher. Um, it was like more more likely he'd be at the bottom, but right now it's looking more likely he'll be at the top.
0: I love it. I was big on Arias coming into 2020. Didn't quite work out. I mean, it was a short season and he got a late start with the wrist injury, but yeah, I'm with you. I'm I'm spying what you're seeing and I like it. What about you, Paul? At the uh second base angle. What do you got?
1: So I mean, I could have put this guy at I guess three different positions that it it seems like he qualifies at, but I'm going to I'm gonna give a little uh, hype to some Mets players, but I'm going to talk about Andres Jimenez. I mean, now that Cano is suspended, there opens up some more opportunities for him to find some, some place to play. He may be part of a package for like a Lindor or something else, which I think will also give him a good chance to play. But I mean, the guy stole double-digit bases last season in a pretty abbreviated point in time. He's very good defensively. He can hit for a decently high average. And he's going right now as the 20th second baseman off the board. Second base is a really thin position and it's really hard to find somebody who can run as well as he does and run as much as he does. And and maybe the Mets change that philosophy with uh, <clears throat> you know, a new GM or something like that. But Luis Rojas let him run last year and I don't really see why they wouldn't let him run again. So if he can find consistent playing time, he's going to very, very easily out uh, out earn that 20th draft spot.
0: Mm, all right. You're listening to the RotoFanatic.com podcast. We do this every week. We talk about fantasy baseball and right now we're talking about our sleepers we got through catcher first base and second base now let's jump to third base the hot corner nolan arenado's in the news you guys think he'll actually go to the dodgers is that a lot of hot air by the way
1: i don't think he's going to end up there i think they have the package to do it but i don't think that they're going to trade him to the dodgers
2: I don't. I don't understand interdivision trades of that magnitude. Why would you want Arenado sticking it to you for the rest of your life? It's. Yeah. I mean, I know there's a difference between the Dodgers unloading Matt Kemp to the Padres, <laughs> um, which again still surprised me back when it happened, just because interdivision. But I mean, this is a totally different level of asking for it. So yeah, I wouldn't do that.
0: I completely agree. The, these never happen. These. In, yeah. Why? Why would they want to face Nolan Arenado? 18 times a year. It just sounds awful. No, thank you. Uh, Matt, who you got at third base?
2: Uh, the, it, it, apparently a lot of my picks are based on narratives, uh, and, and value. And you bring up Nolan Arenado. My bet is that he doesn't go to LA. And if he doesn't go to LA and Justin Turner does leave, which a lot of teams seem to be interested in. I love Edwin Rio's who has no value if they make any of these moves. But currently going as the uh, third base 35, going at pick 354, you don't have to totally believe in what he showed you because he's probably not the player extrapolated out that everyone is hoping it'd be. But in that Dodger lineup, if he ends up gar- grabbing a spot, it's ridiculous the kind of value you'd be grabbing right now. So if he imagine if he were to just announce that he was the third baseman. Don't even dig into the player itself. Like, don't even bother with fan graphs or Statcast. cast. If he was just announced as the third baseman of the Dodgers, where would his ADP go? Uh, and I think there's actually a decent chance that happens. So for right now, um, I love Enwin Rios as a sleeper because he's a good value if you're drafting early. But again, this is entirely dependent on whether or not he's playing um So yeah, I think he's a a fantastic sleeper. But you know, if you're drafting early, it's only in like a you know a deep format or where someone you you know he would be a backup option for you at the moment. But yeah, Edwin Rios, he's the guy who I think whose value could skyrocket the most.
0: Yep, I agree with that one. I uh, joined a dynasty league pre 2020 with a bunch of other analysts and some randos, and I got Edwin Rios very late, and he actually gave me production in 2020 that was useful at times. So if if he could just get the access opportunity, I'm with you all the way. Again, I completely agree with Matt. Not that I don't agree with you, Paul. Matt's just kind of on my wavelength right now. So what do you got at third base? Come on my wavelength, Paul.
1: Well, first first of all, I think one of the things that's positive with Rios, too, is that the Dodgers have shown a willingness to kind of, they don't really care about your pedigree. Like, you know, they they don't really care that Max Muncie was cut by a bunch of different teams, Justin Turner. If, they, if you're good, they're going to find a way for you to play so i think rios has enough talent to find his way into that lineup for sure. um for me, i guess it's going to be a little bit less on the the upside side of things, but i think that Kyle Seager is going far later than he should be going. He is the 30 what is he? hold on. 29th third baseman being taken right now. And yeah, he hit 240, but he hit almost 10 home he hit 9 home runs, 5 stolen bases last year. I think that he's a guy who could easily, you know, find himself in a in a 20 25-10 kind of thing in a full season and the Mariners are on the up and up. I think that offense is going to be good next year if they start calling up some of those big prospects. And he should still be a veteran presence in the middle of that lineup. That I don't think there's any real anyone pushing him at third base. So I think that he's a pretty good uh sleeper pick. And it might not have the the heights of finding your top five third baseman, but you can definitely find yourself with a with a viable starting third baseman.
0: Hmm. Okay. This is good. You guys got I like that pick. I can get on board with that. I also like me some JD Davis cuz his price dropped a lot. I know it's not exactly way way deep sleeper, and this again goes to what you define as a sleeper too, and it's been defined and redefined so many times by many different people in the business. So I don't To me Davis might be a sleeper now because he's 200 or lower, and that's fine with me. No, I well, agree. Put- that's
2: why I, that's why I keep saying good value cuz that's how I guess I'm just defining it myself as rather than sleeper is yeah. just good value. But yeah, JD Davis could be a I mean, if you watched him, he he's he's kind of the same player he was, but it was 60 games. He ran into a lot of bad luck. I mean, you watched him. He actually he literally hit two home runs that the ref the umpires didn't call home runs. He hit this one in Fenway that was actually so high that they called it foul, but they showed the replay and it was like <laughs> well fair, but it was just so above the monster they couldn't even tell. Uh but yep. yeah, JD Davis seems like a very solid uh pick to bounce back because the playing time. Seems like a little more safe this year than last year. Even either he's staying with the Mets and playing a lot more or he's being traded and playing more. You
1: Matt, know. what do you what do you think that that no trades are made? What do you think that starting infield looks like opening day?
2: I would assume opening day you're looking at uh, this is assuming there's a DH, right? Yeah. Yeah, let's go with Dom, that with Dom at first, uh, Pete would be DHing. Yeah. Uh, Dom Smith at first, second base would be Jeff McNeil. Uh, shortstop would be Jimenez, third base would be J.D. Davis.
1: So you don't think Rosario plays? You think he benches?
2: No, no, no. I think Rosario, um, they're going to move him around. He'll play plenty, mm-hmm. um, but they already said that they're going to be putting him in the outfield. They'll, they'll be moving him around a lot. Okay. So, yeah, I don't think he's starting. <laughs>
1: that makes sense. Oh,
0: boy. Okay.
1: Paul, let's go back to you. Shortstop,
0: SS. What do you got? All right.
1: I am. Uh, I am finally going to take a stab at either a guy that has literal zero value at the end of the season or is a star, and I'm going to say Hold on hold, on, hold
2: on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> hold on. I think uh, no, never mind. I think we have the same guy. Go ahead.
1: Well, I, we might not because I'm going pretty deep. I'm going to say Willie Castro.
2: Oh, I'm going deeper than you, but I love Willie yeah. Castro. Oh
1: dear God. Okay, you're going deeper. Than
2: I know no, I have a guy who actually has more of a chance of zero value.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's that's impressive. But um, I mean, Castro came up. He ran a ton he hit for a lot of power he hits the ball pretty hard they kind of moved him everywhere the tigers absolutely stink and have absolutely no one else to play at the majority of the positions that he's eligible at i think they played him in the outfield a little bit he played some short he played some third base second base probably they'll move him everywhere and i think that he's a guy that if he gets consistent run and he shows that this his batted ball ability is actually legit i think he could be one of the better um late round sleepers and has just absolutely insane upside the uh One of the things that I, one of the models that I built, which kind of tries to factor in a guy's ability, quality of contact, had him as about a top, you know, 15 hitter last season based on just the small sample that he had. So I think that, you know, when you're looking at sleepers at a position as deep at shortstop, you're going to want to take a stab at these guys and just kind of hope for the best.
2: Mm. Man, I'll tell you you what, you're you're a Tigers fan, Mike. What do you think of Willie? I love Willie Castro. I am
0: very excited. I want to be honest, though. I want to just come clean and say that the Tigers are such a bummer to me, though. I didn't even catch most of it. I was so busy looking at the national landscape this year. I really did not focus in on my Tigers because they just sucked the life out of me. And it's really sad. And I'm admitting this on the air, live and in person. So for me to honestly say I know any more than what Paul just described about Mr. Castro would be a flat out lie. And I believe in being a genuine, authentic (laughs) article.
2: That's a shame because it is a I, shame. He got screwed in the uh, uh the I think the American League voting landscape. Not that I think he should have won, but I feel like he wasn't discussed enough. Which I know people are like, oh, you got screwed. He wasn't in the top three. Who cares if you were in the top three? If you didn't win, who cares? <laughs> you yeah. lost. You all lost. But I just it's just a shame not as many people talked about him. And I, I yeah, I think uh where he's going, he's a fantastic value. Uh the guy that I'm gonna bring up has I think a much higher ceiling and an, uh, literally a floor of, of actual zero. Uh, if this team is smart, he will not even be in the major leagues. One of the best shortstop uh, prospects in all of baseball, Jose Garcia. Yep. Oh, uh, I knew it! Was, I knew it! It was an A-ball, and they decided to bring him up in the weird 2020 yeah. season where everyone was brought up. Yeah. I knew it. Right now, if you talk to any beat writer, he's their shortstop. I mean, they're going to play him. Apparently, I would assume they shouldn't. I would assume that they would end up signing anyone you know go get dd or you know put him at short like they should but as it stands now he's going as the shortstop 45 going around pick 500 of a guy that's currently projected to start for the cincinnati reds in that ballpark it's gonna be ugly he's gonna strike out a ton it's gonna probably be brutal but as of right now if i was drafting early in a deep league, especially like a draft champions, I sure as hell would try to grab Jose Garcia around pick 500. If you have a chance to be the starting shortstop for the Reds. Now, I think this could be brutal, a really brutal. So if you want a more realistic sleeper pick, how about, I said Luis Arias earlier. How about Luis Arias on the Brewers? He didn't look too great after coming back from uh, his injury. Uh, overall numbers, he batted 239 with no home runs, two steals. But his plate discipline was fantastic. Actually, semi-elite, the league average, like and strike rate on point three. He was at 7.4. Contact rate over 80%, almost 82. League average is 75, and he had an above-average O swing as well. So I think that he's someone who could come in uh, in a team that is obviously going to need his services every single day. And he would be, uh, I think, a really good sleeper if you were looking for a more realistic mm. target from me
1: yeah i i uh I like him a lot, and I think that you know guys that are coming off of the injury that he had tend to struggle offensively um until it becomes fully healed he had a, a handmade injury right or a you know wrist injury of some sort yeah. which really saps power and just saps your ability to hit so i think if he can get consistent at bats, I like your ice a lot
2: yeah i mean he has i thing. mean I don't want to say what I'd expect, but i mean he could, if he if he ended the season two seventy five 20 and ten, that wouldn't shock me. And for where you're grabbing them, that's pretty great. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Jose Garcia, though, man, you were really – you just connected with me. I loved him. I had him for about a week stretch in one point in, like, August, and I really was excited because he could get on base, steal, hit for power. I know that's raw, 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 but if they go with him, I love that, and the value would be tremendous. A tremendous said, I'm, be- I'm
2: betting against myself. He shouldn't make the – he shouldn't be in the lineup – And he should struggle if he is, but he's talented enough where if they're going to give him a shot, you know, you can afford to take a chance that late for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're you're investing pretty much nothing in him. And if he's bad, you cut him. He's not your starter. So he's probably not killing you. He's only going to be you're only going to get him in your lineup if he's good. So, yeah, you can't you
2: can't find upside like that that late. You can't No.
0: You're playing the penny slots. It's great, man. Might as well go for it and see if you get a big winner. All right. Let's head out to the outfield. You're listening to the runoffanact.com podcast. We're here every week. We talk about fantasy baseball from all sorts of angles. And, of course, you can check out our website, too. We got uh, some good stuff coming. We're on the brink. I know we keep teasing this data monster. It's on the brink of being out soon. So stay tuned. It's going to be awesome. It's going to change the way you look at fantasy baseball or at least help you improve and maybe win some leagues at the very, very minimal let's go to left field uh let's go back to matt what do you got in left field or
2: what we, let's de- just I do an not, outfielder yeah i, yeah, I definitely do doing... not split this into fielders. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i was gonna say I, you play I, in I, leagues with left right and center field
2: yeah i did, I did once and that was, a, is, that was yeah. a nightmare oh my god yeah. that sounds terrible my whole i mean league it is, is, oh, left, it is and right. well, i should say it is fun but unnecessary uh yeah, anyone who listens to me has heard me talk about this i think on a few podcasts by now but this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody it's brian reynolds if you believed in him coming out of 2019 and you saw seven home runs in a stolen base in 60 games you would not be disappointed at all that's in fact a great pace for him um batting average wise the lowest batting average before last year he had in his entire career was 302 his second lowest his second lowest was 312 um babbitt because he's a line drive hitter with decent speed the lowest Babip he ever had before last year lowest was 362 the second lowest was 387 last year he had 231 so let's just give him again the low again let's upgrade the lowest batting average he ever had which was last year he batted 189 let's bring that to 300 he now batted 300 with seven home runs and, and one stolen base everyone would have been pretty ecstatic with that where you drafted him So you look at, like, what went wrong with him. The line drive rate, nothing was really that off. Like, nothing in his batted ball profile was really that off. And then you look at plate discipline. Between 2019 and 2020, swing and strike rate, 11.5 and 11.6. Identical. O-swing, 31-1, 31-3. Identical. Contact, 75-9, 75-1. Identical. He's the same exact player who just had a shitty run of games. So he, again, you can't. You can't expect the world of him. Like when you drafted him last year, you were expecting modest power, a little bit of speed, and a decent batting average. And I think he's exactly that again. So, yeah, Brian Reynolds right now, he's going as a pick post-pick 300. Yeah, you know, power, speed, batting average, fantastic. Especially, I love to do the death by 1,000 paper cuts approach. He slides in perfectly, gives you a little bit of everything, doesn't kill you anywhere. And I will probably universally own Brian Reynolds everywhere.
0: Okay. If Brian Reynolds comes up every week on this show. I love it. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> I love I mean, Brian Reynolds. He's
2: an anomaly. It's like he did poor. If there was ever a reason to lazily point to Babip and be like, that was bad luck, it's Brian Reynolds because everything else looks good. Yeah.
0: No, I mean, besides no his team being
2: trash, which is always going to be a drag.
0: <sighs> poor yeah. pirates fans remember when the pirates were good in like 2014 boy seems like a long time ago
2: i don't remember that just those years just get erased <laughs> from my memory
1: it was it was brief uh,
0: paul momino who is your outfielder
1: sleeper yeah um for me it's it's going to be manny margot um a lot of people have been really excited and for good reason we're really excited about what randy rosarena did in the playoffs last season and he obviously broke onto the scene and, and kind of made himself a star and Margot really kind of showed me a little bit of something that made me very excited about him. I mean, the guy, he hit uh, I think 3 or 4 home runs over their their postseason run, which was more than he hit all of last season. He hit one home run last season, but Margot is always an elite defensive asset. They're going to find a reason to play him. Um they might, you know, move on from Kiermaier potentially. They might, you know, let him be their full-time center fielder. But he tied for fourth in the league in steals with significantly fewer stolen bases than almost all the other guys uh, ahead of him. So I think that he shows you, you know, he's going in the the mid-200s right now. He's got the ability to hit first some power if he can figure it out, but he's also going to be an elite asset in steals for you. So I think that, you know, it's hard to find guys that late in drafts that don't have massive flaws uh, that give you that many steals. And I think that the flaw for him is playing time, but I think that, you know, the Rays might eventually start finding out that, He's probably their best bet in center field over a guy like Kiermaier. Um, so I think that's why I'm, I'm aiming for Margot. And I'm, I've seen in my drafts that he's gone. He's starting to go a little higher. Um, people are starting to kind of catch on and starting to realize. But I think that he is definitely the guy I'm looking for this year.
2: I love Margot. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's ridiculous how late he's going, especially since steals are supposed to be at a premium. It, it,
1: it, I think it's just it's entirely playing time based with him. It makes no sense, but it's entirely playing time based.
2: Mm. One other guy, just we've skipped the outfield is this is this is playing time based as well. But someone who, if they announce he's got the job, Andrew Stevenson in the Nationals, he's currently going to pick like 380 something as like the 100th outfielder off the board. He's currently slated to lead off for the Nationals. And of course, you don't want to believe in the 366 batting average and 464 BABIP. But it's funny uh, in a brief time in 2019 in the majors, he had a BABIP of 579, which is stupid. In 2019 in AAA, his BABIP was 428. And like 300-plus plate appearances. I mean, before that in AA, his Babbitt was like 340. So obviously he's got to be a high Babbitt player, not this high. But it's he's been on an insane little surge. But um, walk rate above 10% um, and, you know, strikeout rate within reason. I think that, uh, again, he's a better bet than Jose Garcia. But, yeah, if you, if you need someone to slide in and you could take a shot, Andrew Stevenson, if he's the leadoff hitter for the Nationals, he'll be one of the steals of the year.
0: There it is. cargo Manny Margo. What do you think of that, huh? Yeah. I like little that. notorious B.I.G. for you. All right, so let's go in the reverse. We're going to start where we're at for bust. Who's a bust? We know it's only November 27th, so don't think we don't have an awareness of that. But, you know, we have some information at our disposal, and we love talking off-season baseball. This is the best part of the year. I love this time of year. Off-season making opinions that could be totally bogus in three months. Who the hell knows? But we're giving it our best shot. Paul Momino, who is your bust in the outfield?
1: Um, I I kind of mentioned him before, but I, I think it's going to be Randy Rosarena. I just don't <gasps> think he deserves it. How dare you? How dare you? I, I just don't think he's going to be able to return what you're drafting him at. I think that teams are going to pitch him a little bit differently than they did. I think he he had some just incredible... I think it was something stupid. Like he didn't get a hit on a ball out of, he only got hits on balls, like in the zone pitches in the zone. He didn't get hits on anything out of the zone. I just think teams are going to kind of figure him out. Teams are going to really learn how to actually pitch to him. And I just don't think that he's going to be able to give, uh, give the same value that people are drafting him for.
2: hundred percent agree. He he had no power on the inside where he couldn't extend his arms. And he had great play coverage on the outside because he crowds the plate, but he had no power on the outside either. So yeah, I, I mean, I think I've, I'm pretty on board. I think I I think I'm pretty on uh, record as saying I think drafting him with the expectation of getting Tommy Pham is reasonable. Uh, but yep. beyond that, it's just there's no there's no profit in drafting him where he's going. Probably I don't think.
1: I think he's going to be a bust is going to be a tough word because I think if he plays, he will still have a significant amount of fancy value
2: because yeah.
1: he will hit his home runs, he will steal his bases, but he's not going to give you what you're drafting him
2: at. That's yeah, too high.
1: Yeah, exactly. He's just, it's too, way too high.
2: I think all my busts are going to piss people off. I don't necessarily hate any of these players. It's just a matter of value. Luis Robert, um, he's going right the same as Kyle Tucker. I'd rather have Kyle Tucker. Um, They're both going to give you power and speed. Uh, Tucker a little more power, probably Robert a little more speed. But Robert, in only 60 games, struggled so poorly down the end. I mean, if it was just a full 162, we could have been incredibly disappointed with what we saw rather than be, you know, having him be a finalist for like rookie of the year. So this is just a matter of he's a young guy who's going to strike out a ton. Play, pitchers are going to pitch him differently and he's going to have to figure it out. So uh, long term in Dynasty, I think he's obviously still a beast. He'll probably still end up with really great stat counting stats. But where he's going now, like the third round, um, I yeah, I, I think that he has a very high bust potential because people are very sky high expectations of him. And uh, I think that there's more of a chance of him disappointing than him surpassing your expectations. Just like the
0: 2011 Philadelphia Eagles, right? Man, all those free agency moves just didn't, didn't work out, did it? So too much hype, not enough substance, but you know, the, the dream the team? Thought, yeah, the dream team. Remember that? Uh, remember they signed uh Asamoah? Yep. From the Raiders. Oh, man, that was just a bummer. Didn't work out. Anyways, this is a baseball podcast. Let's move over to third base. We're back to the hot corner. Oh, by the way, I'm not saying clearly Luis Robert is going to be a good player, but it's just value thing. What Matt just described. We're talking bust. We're really talking about value. If it's too high and it's, you're not going to you want to lock in in the first three rounds, you want players that you can almost guarantee the production from. And I, I agree. I understand what you're saying. Uh, Paul, who you got at third base?
1: Uh, third base was hard for me because I don't really think too many guys are are that poorly uh, valued currently. So I guess if I had to say someone, I think it's going to be just Alex Bregman. I, I guess. Um, I think that there are other guys. The guys going ahead of him are reasonably fine to be going ahead of him. And I think there's a couple players I'd rather have after him. Like, I it, for the life of me do not understand why Anthony Rendon is going a whole full round after Bregman. I don't. I don't see how there's a huge difference. I think Rendon might even be a better player. I think he might be a better hitter think Rendon might be one of the best hitters in all of baseball. So I just think that if I've had to take a bust, I'm going to say Bregman just because I, I think that I'd rather have other players around him.
2: Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it was tough. Um, I, I think I said on many places too, I won't be drafting early third baseman because there's so many great late values I like. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can grab a guy like Brian Anderson in the 200s. Uh, not that he's comparable to these top guys. It's just It's one of those things where you can punt completely. Not forget about it. And you'll probably never run out of value. Uh, my bust will be Manny Machado. Again, I guess I'm here just to piss people off. He's uh, going he's going around pick 22 as a second, third baseman. Here's the problem. Anthony Rendon's going to pick 43. Rafael Devers is going to pick yeah. 47. Even Moncada is going at pitch 86. All guys that could easily rival his production. And he has no speed. So it's, it's just a matter of you're taking him and he'll be safe. But the chances of him being a disappointment in... Uh, where you were drafting him are pretty high just because of the value of later players. Like, so it's not like necessarily You take him and you're disappointed. It's just like at the end of the year, you'd be like, Oh, I could have waited. And I think that's almost a guarantee at third base because there's just so many, I mean, Eugenio Suarez is going as the 10th, third baseman, you know, Matt Chapman could bounce back, obviously not going to have anywhere near the batting average, but there's just a lot of players that are decent values where I think taking a guy like Machado with the no speed um, that early is, is uh, has a lot of bust potential as far as value goes.
0: That's exactly whose stat cast page I had up right before you started talking. So that's exactly where I would have gone with it, man. I completely agree mm-hmm. with Matt. Again, it's just, it's too high and no speed, no speed. I know he crushes the ball, but man, I think we're Rendon. Rendon can steal yeah. 10 bases if he wants to.
1: I think we're overcorrecting on Machado for, a year of him being far too depressed about like he was drafted way later than he should have been because he's he's not any different of a player like yeah he was coming off a worse year but he's not a different player than he was last year the the same player
2: right you're drafting machado for safety what's unsafe about anthony rendon at this point i don't understand why anthony
1: (laughs) rendon says it just makes no sense
2: I did my thread on Devers, like he got off to a bad start, yeah. which affected his numbers, but he got off to a slow start in twenty nineteen. I mean, in yeah. twenty twenty he still was on pace for like forty one one hundred, you know. I mean, it's like come on. Well, <laughs> there's just there's a lot yeah. of good value at third.
0: Yeah, for yeah. sure. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. And by the way, speaking of Matt's breakdowns, Matt has been on fire. How many are we at already, Matt?
2: Um, not too many. I think like six.
0: Oh doing, it seems so like twenty one.
2: <laughs> doing like Matt Olson next. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we've, uh, there's been several breakdowns already, and there's going to be a bunch more in the season. So hit up our Twitter feed at Roto underscore Fanatic, and we'll be releasing those where Matt also releases them on the website, right? Are we going to have those on rotofanatic.com as well?
2: Yeah, we already have a pretty graphic up for them. They'll be uh, indexed alphabetically, so you'll be able to keep track of all of them.
0: Fantastic. They're the best breakdowns of the business, bar none. And I'm not just saying that because we're on a website together. I already knew that before I ever met Matt. So check them out and learn something. Hey,
2: let's play a game for my bust for shortstop just because I have a theme going of picking things that are going to piss people off. And they're all really around the same player I'm picking. Who do you think my bust at shortstop going to be? Oh, see if anyone can guess it.
1: Let me take a guess here.
0: Um, I'm
2: going to say... Uh, Lindor. Bichette. Oh my God. I love Bichette. Uh, no, my, uh, my, my bust is Corey Seager.
1: Hey, that's my bust too.
2: That was my second guess. And I love Corey Seager. I pumped him up probably more than anyone last year, but literally same. I don't have to get into it. Same reason as Machado. Not a, not a ton of speed. Still has an injury history, which I'm not necessarily worried about, but he's just uh, he's just going too goddamn early because there's probably more of a chance of him to disappoint than to exceed his draft value.
1: What what does he do better than Xander Bogarts? And what he does worse than Xander Bogarts is he doesn't run. So why is Bogarts? I know it's not a huge difference, but I why would it,
2: why would you take Seeger over Bogarts? Yeah. And I think also like even a guy like Tim Anderson, I think is proven yes. at this point, he can yep. be a high, he's going to be a high BABIP guy. Um, and he gives you all that speed. And again, if you, if you really like Corey Seager um, you know, he, you know, it's, it's, I don't, I don't, I just don't understand. I, I like Seager. And shortstop's not as deep as people like to think when, cause last year there was a lot of, there was a tier I really loved with like um, Ahmed Rosario and Elvis Andrus and jorge polanco that's not necessarily there this year so i get wanting to get a shortstop but yeah rather than have to go there that's just you know there's there's still plenty of decent value like dd we mentioned him earlier maybe going to the reds god if Didi ended up on the reds give me Didi around uh pick 160 rather than Corey seager um and pick like 28 yeah i just
1: mm. I, I just think that the, the pick is just it doesn't really make sense with yeah. with what he's going to actually give you. Which,
2: by the way, everyone, we do not dislike Corey Seager. Yeah. I expect nope. him to be very good, again. But Lock it in. That early. These
0: guys hate Corey Seager, and they've already sent him hate mail, guys. I can prove it. I'll send you guys <laughs> all the evidence at Roto underscore Fanatic. Check out our Twitter feed where all the evidence will be released of Corey Seager and how much rage we have for him. Uh, that was sarcasm, folks. If you listen to Matt over the last year, he loves Corey Seager, and I can verify that. I've been on several podcasts where he says that, so We both – you guys both agree that shortstop, Corey Seager's too high. So let's go to second base then. And then there was who, Matthew?
2: Uh, It's – for I don't know, my fourth year in a row, it's Whit Merrifield. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, His his sprint speed continues to go down. His batted ball skills continue to go down. I was proven wrong. I was long last year, no matter what, because of uh, obvious results. But still 60-game sample size. He's continues to get slower. His batting average, um, like where his expected batting, or I would say not using expected batting average, like his baseline for batting average has dropped below 300, is now 280. And he relies on getting 700 plate appearances. That's the big issue with him. If you take him, you probably be happy enough. He's one of the more dependable guys in baseball. He relies on comp, you know, and compiling stats. The problem is he's now over, you know, over 30. He's getting slower. If the speed goes away, he really is worthless going as the third, second baseman, 40th overall. Um, but if he if he bounces anywhere, if he loses any batted ball, more batted ball skill, if he gets a little slower, if he gets dinged up even once, again, he's older, he needs 700 plate appearances in order, order to be valuable. You look at his overall numbers, you're like, oh, those counting stats look good. Not really if you look at how many plate appearances he has compared to other people. So again, I think he will be fine, probably. But, you know, with, with all of the people, Kettle Marte going 86, you know, Jeff McNeil going to 103. Um, there's no way I'm, I'm taking Whit Merrifield as a third, second baseman, a 40th overall When There's just so many trap doors beneath this guy that could ruin his value. Number one, Whit
0: Merrifield hit that home run early in this uh, past season. I remember yeah. you saying it was like a 166 expected <laughs> batting average.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so- yeah, yeah, there's... Um, there, there's he really pushes the limit of minimum exit velocity. Uh, and launch angle for home runs. So when you look at like, ba- you know, barrels are, ma- you know, that's kind of like Castellanos. So I said, Castellanos should be in the Hall of Fame for um, pushing the limit of barrel percentage, like minimum launch angle and minimum exit velocity to count as a barrel because he leads the league in barrels that are caught by an outfielder year after year. <laughs> Whit Merrifield isn't that, but I'm just saying, Whit Merrifield's a magician in terms of getting the ball out at like 30 miles an hour exit velocity. It's, it's ridiculous <laughs> what this guy is able to do.
0: No, oh, it's so true. I was actually watching that. It was against the Tigers, believe it or not, at Comerica. That was early on in the season where we thought we had a chance. The Tigers right, gave Paul. up a
2: home run. I never would have guessed that.
0: Yeah, I know. It's shocking that uh Mike Fulmer would get torched. Shocking. Tim, I, know. I think Tim
2: Anderson just hit another one.
0: Oh man, come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, didn't hey, he hit remember- like uh,
2: didn't he hit like six or seven in one series? Yes. He had like was- four leadoff home runs yes. in the series. It yes. was
0: that uh yeah, it was either the one at home or the Mize debut. Remember Casey Mize. It Mize's
2: was both. Debut. He, he, I think yeah. he got Mize. I think he got Scubel. It Scooble. was he got. Yeah, he got everybody.
1: Tough stretch. It was got good. Tyler, for Tyler Alexander at least once.
2: And obviously least- he def- and he, he obviously <laughs> definitely got. Uh, Who's the whipping boy in Detroit now? Everyone. No, what's his name? I can't think of it.
1: The closer, Jimenez.
2: No, 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 no. The starter. Uh, everyone. He was like a oh, super last. Jordan. Jordan. No, I don't know. No, you're damn, about. why can't I think of his name? Ah, uh, Boyd. Yeah. Oh, Matthew Matt Boyd. Boyd. Yeah. I think Boyd gave up a served up a couple to Anderson. I
0: wanted to see how long that would take because that is how fall far Matt Boyd has fallen. That's really sad. That is sad. Okay, let's go. uh, Where are we now? Paul second base.
1: Yeah. Um, For me. And it's kind of second base was another hard one for me because I think that a lot of the guys are relatively fairly ranked, but I think I'm just not willing to take DJ LeMahieu where he's going. Um, I think that the, the positional eligibility is nice and everything. And, if he goes back to New York, maybe and like for sure, maybe this is a different story. Cause I think you've said it on, uh on Twitter a few times, Matt, he was perfectly geared for that park. Which is New York, a- mm. Yankee Stadium. But uh oh. he's a right-handed hitter with a lot of opposite field fly ball power, and he's really been able to build up his value because of that. But I think with a position like second base that is thinner, but I don't think it's as thin as people think it is, I think that when you get later down in the draft, you have better chances of hitting a top five guy with the, the low on the lower end of your draft cost. And I think that I typically don't want to draft a second baseman early. I don't think that there's a lot of benefits taking LeMahieu or Albies or one of those guys up top. And I think you can kind of try to hit your chances on a Kettle Marte or a Keston Hira coming back, or you can even go later in with McNeil and Jimenez and other guys that we've mentioned and try to, you know, pop a top five guy.
2: How about Jose Altuve?
1: No. <laughs> I do not want anything to do with Jose Altuve. Me Flat
2: either. I'm just curious. <laughs> okay, fine.
1: All right, let's go right back to you, Paul, first base. Um, but, uh, first baseman. I mean, we can I can say Voight because his cost is what P. Yeah. Alonso's was last year. It was bad. I could say Jose Abreu because I think his cost has been pushed up a little bit. You know, his his value is entirely on massive RBI totals, which he's consistently done year in and year out. But I don't think that he's going to be the same. You know, he's not going to be what he was last year. And it, you know be an MVP candidate again next year. So I think that, you know, over the course of a full season, he comes back down to earth a little bit, and I just don't think I'm taking it by you at that cost.
2: No argument here, Paul. What about you, Matt? Uh, I think I alluded to it earlier. I am going the uh, the obvious route, Luke Voigt. It's just stupid. <laughs> I mean, he was a good value last year, and he's a horrible value this year. Uh, the ch- if he performs as he should, he's a terrible value. I mean, there's no way you're telling me Luke Voigt at 60 at the end of 2020 is going to be a better value than Matt Olson at 96, who, by the way, power has went nowhere. The power is still there for Matt Olson. It's Just Yeah, but he has math.
1: to make contact with the ball to be able to get yeah, that.
2: Hey, <laughs> Good point. If, if you have nothing but home runs and no singles in fantasy baseball, that is sometimes okay. That but is still, very true. I mean, you can, I mean, there's just so many guys later. I mean, look, honestly, if we see a full season of Eric Hosmer with the way he was hitting, not that I'd bank on this, 30 but if homers we saw if we yeah I mean let's just even take a little bit of it away but if the changes he made were real ish and he has a reasonably healthy season he's going to be a much better value than Luke Voigt if Luke Voigt isn't isn't I'm not even saying Luke Voigt's a fluke but he probably hit a little over his head but if they per, both perform like they probably should Assuming there's no nothing wild that goes wrong, Eric Hosmer will be a much better value 143 than Void is at 60, and that's just me singling out someone very random. Um, yeah. So and
0: he could steal you 10 bases theoretically.
2: Just, yeah, I fine. mean yeah. Hunter Dozier, uh, 235. Yes. You yep. know, there's another Hunter Dozier, you know, I mean, another guy could steal bags. There's plenty of people between st- you know getting uh, uh, giving other things like you know steals in some areas that I think Luke Voigt, you know, like Pete Alonso last year has to really hit the nail on the head in order to return value. And it's it's unlikely to happen. Yeah. I mean, unlikely. if everyone's
1: healthy too, where does Voight hit in that lineup? Maybe uh, your, your best bet is five in that lineup, if yeah. everyone's healthy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of room for downside for him to lose plate appearances.
2: Yeah, oh. I mean, here's hey, one guy we didn't talk about at first or second that I'd love to bring up is Mike Moustakis, mm-hmm. who I don't know what it is ever. The Reds uh, pitching last year was fantastic. The hitting was brutal. Yeah. When it, probably the hitting looked like a safe bet i would there's no way moustakis goes to one of the best parks to possibly hit baseballs and sucks for two years in a row so i'd say he's a he's a fantastic bounce back as well i mean yep. if if you told me moustakis um ended up ahead of voight yeah i wouldn't be shocked to that at all i mean i i'd literally if, if i if there was odds on that in vegas it'd probably be one i'd put my money on
0: yeah yeah you, you talked about the cubs last uh, podcast man and Actually, you mentioned the Reds, and then you think about Cleveland. There were several teams where offense just disappeared, and I don't think that's always going to be the case. It was more of a fluke, so I'm I'm going to buy into that situation. Let's go to catcher now and close it down, Matt. Who is? I mean, it's so easy a catcher, right? Because they're all bad. actually actually it might be harder because a lot of catchers are just going to be way down yeah, there. So it's I think not it's so hard. Bad.
2: I think it's easier to identify a sleeper because anyone from two to twenty, you could kind of rewrite the order in any any manner you want. I think Salvador Perez, people wrote off his health for some reason. He had one off season. Other than that, he plays every day. So I think he's fine. Will Smith, I think is a reasonable risk. Wilson Contreras, I think is a reasonable risk. Rasmany Grandels, I think is a reasonable risk. So I think the top five is fine. After that, it's kind of pick your poison. So I'll say Travis Darno is my bust because his entire career is injuries. He's, um, he's like, he just... You know he just couldn't get it's not that he was ever bad he was just always injured here and there where he'd start to ramp up and get going then he'd get injured and this year he wasn't injured in 60 games uh so he he ended up fantastically but you know unfortunately for him the chances of him being healthy for 162 are, i don't want to say zero but they're like you know less than 50 percent so i will say that yeah darno seems like an easy bust people will look at him drafted this late and look at what he did and, and maybe consider him a steal or a value or uh going into this year but for me it just seems like a misuse of funds why bother drafting him at 150 when you can you know go ahead and draft someone super boring uh much 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 later
1: see i so i definitely agree with you on Darno, but i also disagree with you that salvador perez's value is fine <laughs> i think that there, okay. there's a big gap between like him and the next tier of catchers, right? There's like a 30 pick gap, 20, 30, 40 pick gap between those guys. I don't think that's significantly. I don't think that makes any sense. Like,
2: hold on. Well, before you continue, I can agree with that. Um, I, I more, I'm more of anyone dinging him for health. I just think is, yeah. is silly. Just because, just having after starting more games than anyone at the catcher position, and all of a sudden having just one year because of an injury, it's like yeah. that. I'm not worried about. I can, I can understand just not wanting to take him that early period. I just don't think there's risk and what you're expecting from him i think will happen whether you think it's worth taking him there to get it i can agree is maybe not worth it but yeah i don't know i, I think he's you know whatever
1: <laughs> i mean you're you're expecting you know mid-20s homers and a 230 average
2: oh i'm expecting a little better than that
1: Dude, but... he well he doesn't walk either he was i mean his bad up this year was insane it was completely out of line for what he's done in the past and he walked even less I think he had like a 1.5 walk percentage or something it's like t- the,
2: I think it's tough to take too much into this year too especially yeah. with like yeah uh, no no continue on I'm I, like, I, I just mean, I just
1: don't think he's I guess it's more like you were saying with catcher it's it, they're all probably a bad value wherever they are anyway especially the higher end guys yeah. except for real Muto so I think that there's no. I I wouldn't be taking Perez second catcher off the board, which apparently it seems like he's pretty easily,
2: pretty handily yeah, in. Since you instances. know, I, think, yeah. I I actually think Not I agree world. with you in terms of. I think maybe I worded what I said wrong. JT is obviously number one. I think yes. I have no problem in the order of the next four being Perez, Smith, Contreras, and Grandal in some order. Okay, just because it seems like those you can make the strongest case for. I'm I'm not drafting an early catcher unless it's probably real Muto if I happen to feel like it. Uh, So, yeah, I do agree with you there. I I just don't um, I don't see where if you break down the numbers, I would say most people uh, like (laughs) most people are going to have like 80 percent of people are going to have these as their two, three, four and five in some order. And then everyone else is going to have a very wide range from six to 20. But I think two, three, four and five that 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 is pretty much a two, three, four and five in some fashion.
1: Yeah. I, I yeah I guess it's just for me it's like if if I'm gonna take the catcher there it's it's not Perez Who you it's take? I'd I'd rather any of the other ones I I think I'd rather um honestly let me think Gary Trump, Sanchez. I like I like Randall the most honestly too. because hey. I think that they're gonna find a place for him to play pretty much every day too
0: Aaron and Boone it, came out in support of Gary Sanchez this week and I support Aaron Boone's support of Gary Sanchez being bashed too much Gary Sanchez There's something going on there, and he's not done, and I'm not buying into what happened in 2020. So I think we're being a little too hard on
1: him. I think he needs to go. He he's fallen more than he should. Because again, if you're going to take a catcher, you're you want to take the chance that you get the second best catcher, which I think is is Sanchez. I or he has that kind of an opportunity, but I think he needs to go somewhere else and get a completely change of scenery before he's going to be a good player again.
2: I think I read somewhere which is there's a completely flawed that was on Twitter. I think he saw like. 60 middle middle pitches last year and he got a base hit on zero of them and oh, if that doesn't boy. take into account like some meatballs he got on three and oh and oh and oh that he just yeah. took but still that well if you like Matt Olson, isn't Matt Olsen and Gary Sanchez in a similar path right now no
1: Matt Olson makes a little more contact yeah
2: yeah speaking of contact Salvador I, perez makes like 90 percent contact swings, yes, at swings at everything swings at everything but he doesn't literally a lot of swings
1: contact. at every pitch makes a <laughs> lot of contact i i guess i just don't see him hitting for a high average i don't, I don't no, see know either second. Hey, there, yeah.
2: <laughs> making high contact and swing at everything isn't necessarily a good thing um <laughs> no. but um no but gary gary sanchez sucks
0: okay <laughs> fine gary sanchez sucks. i think we'll he's only happened, gonna
2: though. get i think he's only gonna get worse as he gets older
0: Okay, well, that's why we do this podcast. We all make our opinions, we have the information, and we do the best we can.
2: Hold I can't on, on, wait. I know you're itching to move on, and I'm not going to allow you. Uh, yeah, there's no problem <laughs> taking him where he's going, though. You just have to draft a second catcher as well. I mean, depending oh, okay. on your format. If you can stream, whatever. Uh, don't do what you got to do. But, yeah, I mean, there's no problem taking a guy who can hit 40 home runs that freaking late, even yeah. if he hits 105. <laughs> he,
1: might, he might be the only catcher that can hit 40 home runs.
2: Yes.
0: Oh, boy. <laughs> Okay, well, look, there's busts and sleepers out there. This is what we offer you on the RotoFanatic.com podcast. So, what do you guys think? You can always hit us up at Roto underscore Fanatic. Let us know if you got some sleepers or busts that you think are worthy of consideration, or if you completely disagree with us. We like to hear from all of you. And of course, you go to RotoFanatic.com and check out what we got going on. We got some new articles that'll be coming up very shortly, and the Data Monster—it's coming soon. Stay tuned. Let's talk about uh, Mr. Cohen's article, though. Ariel Cohen, you may know him; he is a pretty well-respected analyst in his own right. And he was talking about 2021 projections and how the experts are handling the 2020 season. Paul, you brought this to the
1: table. You want to take the floor? Yeah, I mean, I think it's been a, it's a conversation that a lot of people have been having, and how much we're supposed to wait. The different, uh, you know, what happened last season versus what happened in seasons prior, and I think it was kind of interesting hearing how a number of different um, individuals who create projection models are, are handling it and overall the overarching theme kind of seemed to be that well one it's going to be different for each statistic which you've definitely seen a lot of people talk about some things are going to uh, are going to become more information are actually going to have value quicker than other other different statistics but what it kind of seemed like overall was that projection systems most of them factor in plate appearances so when you take, last season's amount of player appearances into effect and you kind of look at it as almost every single player was injured that means that 2019 will have higher um higher than usual weighting in projection models but it doesn't mean that what we're taking 2020 and we're saying well this is completely useless or it's completely you know about only about half of it is really what's real it's you're looking at it and saying that those 200 plate appearances are weighted the same as they would be if they were 200 plate appearances in a normal season they're just um that was what everyone had this year. So you kind of look at it as almost every single player was injured in a sense in 2020. It's, it's an interesting way of thinking about it.
2: It's, it's weird. Cause you look at like, um, I saw a lot of the different answers and steamer, um, is the you know, the projections that are out now in terms of what how they're waiting 2020 and i know some of the answers that were given and it's especially interesting for rookies because there's not you know using i know some say they like to use five-year averages or or three years averages but obviously with with guys like a rosarina and robert there's just not that but for having guys with like one off year uh there's there's some interesting ones like christian yellick brutal they haven't projected a 280 35 104 97 and uh, 18 stolen bases. So, you know, they project him to be the star that he is. Uh, Francisco Lindor, they have him at 277, 33, 103, 93, and 19 stolen bases. And that's just based on one off year. So, you know, that shouldn't shake up the, uh, especially if you're not waiting it that much. But Corey Seager, um, never really you know had that one fantastic year and then he's been derailed and then he had a really good 60 game stretch including the playoffs which shouldn't matter in projections which they asked about in this article yep. as well saying that they don't really wait that but there's some people that said for rookies they'll be trying to use that as far as like their own eye test when they tweak it Corey Seeger here they haven't projected a 296 3195.97 you're telling me that there's not they're waiting Corey, Corey Seager's uh, season because there's no way that you're waiting uh, everything the same with Corey Seager ending up with this projection than you are with Lindor and uh, Yellick. Obviously, there's a lot more data for Lindor and Yellick, especially consecutively. Uh, but uh, it's just interesting when you look at stuff like that, where I'm wondering that are they changing these by player? I know the statistic. But you're still wondering that even though some of these answers are given, like the Corey Seeger one stands out to me because I'd like to see where the other places project him because steamer is very interesting. I know some, uh, uh, I think uh Razzball said that they use their plate appearances or something to, to, they just generate, I know ATC, which is Ariel Cohen. The guy who wrote this, he takes the, uh, I think he takes the, the, uh, the at-bats straight from Fangraphs, graphs. Uh, but um I don't know. In general, like you said, it's a great article and I would just like to see how people are waiting, but just looking at steamers, it looks like they wait players 2020 season differently than others just from looking at it. And again, this is just of a rough eye test.
1: Well, I mean, with, with Seager, let's say you were to do, you know, I think the standard is like three seasons, 50, 30, 20. Well, that middle season doesn't exist for Seager, you know? So I don't know if that means they go back to 18 and and 17 instead of using 19 as that middle season Mm -hmm. or if you know they input zero information for him and and then it's not going to really hurt his rates that much so i guess for him he's always been an elite hitter i mean there really hasn't been 18 was a little bit worse than uh the years before but i don't think the skills have ever been the problem with him it was just a matter of him being healthy for that season so i think um, no no i get i get that i'm just
2: saying 2015 he only had 113 plate appearances the 37 batting average obviously doesn't add her up 2016 308 after that 295 267 272 and this year 307 i think projecting them at a 296 for what steamer gave their answers to be there can't be possibly too much weight on 2016 when you batted 308 so for them to be arrive at 296 based on all the other information is interesting enough to me Mm -hmm. Uh, because you think 2019 would have a whole lot more weight than 2017 therefore they appear to be weighing 2020 a little heavier than I would think they would.
1: Yeah, I, I guess that's fair. I mean, again, it's it's probably there are probably some player specific um, adjustments that need that be made that are made. Yeah. But sure. I think um, I think what for me at least what was just the most interesting thing is that they're not really changing their underlying weights. I think was it only uh, Todd Zola said he was going to add 2017, which he never really does. Yes. You know, he was going to go one extra year. Most people aren't changing their underlying weights. They're just saying well, we're gonna give it 200 plate appearances instead of 600, and that's kind of how we're gonna go. So naturally, I think a lot of people have said, you know, 30%, and that's where these these sites seem to, or you know, these projection models seem to end up being in the end. Mm -hmm. I think Ariel kind of did a, uh, he put a little graphic in there that showed like, you know, normally it's almost even across the two seasons, but it's like almost 27% if you make this um, assumption versus for 2020, and then 40% for 2019 if you make these certain assumptions just based on, pla- based on plate appearances. So I found it kind of interesting that the models themselves aren't gonna change, which I guess kind of makes sense, but they're just gonna be weighted because of the plate appearance differences.
2: Once all the uh, projection mm-hmm. systems are out, which will be like, I don't know, January, February, around there, do you think that there'll be a, uh, cause I, I know I read the article and then I see this, I just get the feeling that there's gonna be a lot more disparity, cause there's usually not. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. They're usually always, um, usually always conservative, but, um, I mean, besides the rookies, which I can't wait to see that, um, to see how things adjust, because I'm wondering if one projection system spits out something that's totally different. I'm wondering definitely going to be con-
0: more. Yeah, they'll yeah, definitely I be if they'll more go back. Of a do you
2: think they'll go back and tweak it? And Like, oh, my God, we're so dramatically off. Do you think we'll see really <laughs> different ones in the end? Like once these are all out, do you think we'll end up seeing like this giant disparity like we haven't seen?
0: Because they
2: gave gave simple answers, but by the time they finalize and tweak, I think that there'll be some differences in the answers that were given in the uh, what ends up happening, because I think they'll end up looking at some numbers, you know, that may not add up because that's always something that interests me with projections, too, because, you know, the math's going to spit out something that sometimes is crazy. And I think Ariel, um, I think he was talking to PitchCon. About this, uh, the thing they do over pitchers list, and he was talking about sometimes you know you spit out something like, all right, well this isn't right, therefore there must be something, or he'll just adjust one player, but it's usually rookies or someone coming off injury where yeah. he'll have to adjust individuals. But yeah, just coming off this season, I'm just I'm interested to see the fact. Um, maybe Ariel can ask him all again if there was any mm. tweaks they had to end up making. But again, this is all speculation and me just like having yeah. fun with the article. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they end up handling this, and it's definitely a, a good one to read through, especially if you're doing your own projections.
1: Well one of yeah for sure one of his uh his big points too is that the accuracy of projections is entirely a who can best predict playing time uh mm-hmm. thing which is 100% true. I think that's where we're going to see some of the biggest disparities is we're going to see especially on the pitching side of things the number of innings. I think that's where we're going to see really wide ranges because you'll take a guy who I think Matt uh, not Matt Barnes um Corbin Burns is the the poster child this year of how many innings are they going to let him throw next year? And you might have some people that his projections are going to look widely different because mine might have a hundred innings. One might have 180 and I could really not, I wouldn't be surprised by something along those lines. Hmm.
0: Okay. That's it. You know, that's really interesting. I I can't wait. I think with the rookies and prospects, there's going to be a lot more chaos, man. I think that's the particular area where you'll see goofiness, but maybe it will get more crazy. I think a lot of people were kind of cold their cards, close to the chest in this article because they didn't yeah. want to give it away either. So Easy, easy on trying to take too much away from this. But this is what people are focusing on. For me, it's one of the key aspects of this entire offseason is how are we making projections for this weird ass season? And what are the experts saying? And I I definitely want to know. And I can't wait. Now, our own Carm Mayorano and Paul and ourselves here with the data monster and the things we're doing here, we're going to have some of our own. So. You know, Karm's brought all of his stuff over to Roto Fanatic. We're really excited about that. So we'll see what Karm has to say. I don't, I don't, what on about a wrench footage?
2: and uh, beat a dead horse for one second? Uh, Steamer, <laughs> uh, do you remember what did they say? I I just we just talked about the same thing. Do you remember what they said about their 2020? Um, how they were weighing it specifically?
1: I think they just said that weren't they one of the ones that said they weren't really going to change that? It was just the number of plate appearances.
2: Yeah, the oh, well, here's another very interesting player for me. 2016 batting average 294. 2017 309 2018 297 2019 315 and then in 200 plate appearances 253 um they have nolan arenado projected to hit 283 if they're not if they're not weighing the living hell out of 2020 how do you come up with that he's dropped this k rate 18 to 14 to 10 the last three years it's just they really must be weighing 2020 like normally i mean forget the 200 plate appearances they look like they're projecting this out to six to seven hundred like usual because how do you come up with 283 <laughs> where does that number yeah. come from unless they're really juiced in 2020
0: well, they say I, it's the same yeah. as 2019 right
2: 2019 you bet at 315
0: no, the, no but the same amount of plate appearances
2: well well well, oh, no, no they're hold on they're projecting out the 201 to be as if it were 662 are they extrapolating that out or are they just taking it as it is
1: I think it's just taking it as it is and putting through yeah. the, the projections. But um yeah. I mean, if, the, if guess, you
2: extrapolate it yeah. out, I can see it. Uh, if you're if you're making it, because th- what it looks like is that's what they did. It looks like they're cutting the difference between 2019 yeah. and 2020 as if 2020 was a full season.
1: My guess is there's a um, there must be something that underlies their average projections, but which makes no sense because, as we know, average kind of fluctuates pretty heavily. Yes. Um, there there must be something that stabilizes or becomes useful very quickly. Stabilized is probably the wrong word. That, that would explain why we're seeing Seager and Arenado. But yes, I, that there's definitely something odd about that. I agree. Especially
2: on base percentage, uh, 373, th- 374, 379, and then 303 and 200 yeah. plate appearances. Now they have them down to 350. It's
1: like, I'm curious what their, uh, their yearly preseason projections on him are. Cause they might just be conservative in general on.
2: Yeah, that actually occurred to me. Now I'm going to look at a guy like
1: it. Arenado, but the Seeger one doesn't make as much sense, then.
2: All right. You yeah. talk amongst yourself. I'm going to try to find this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: All right. Hey,
0: uh, I got to tell you this. We appreciate you guys listening. This is the RoyalFathetic.com podcast. Me, Paul Mamino, and Matt Williams. Uh, we're always available. We try to come out with a new episode every Wednesday if everything goes according to plan. And, of course, the hot... You know, how much going on with the hot stove? I mean, Charlie Morton signed... Is there anything you want to say about that, Paul? Anything hot stovey on your mind, or I mean, there's not a lot of action.
1: Mort- Morton signing, you know, kind of justifies where he's going. He's probably a little bit cheaper than um, than he should be if we knew he was going to play. There was a lot of risk that you know Morton was just going to retire because he talked about it before last season that it was going to be his last one. And then once the race kind of didn't keep him around, he thought maybe he could just you know ride off into the sunset. But now he's going to be back, and hopefully the the playoff uh, velocity bump he saw carries back over. But I think he's definitely valuable with that Braves offense, putting him up.
0: Uh, boy, I, I have a lot of concerns about Charlie Morton. I hope it works out for him. Cause I really do like the Braves they are a fun team. Uh, no offense to Matt. Matt's fan probably doesn't like the Braves, uh, but I do enjoy watching people strive like Charlie Morton. He's always been a good dude and he's had this, you know, this late career Renaissance thing, which I always love guys like that. So I'm rooting for him to maybe have one more magical year, but I got to tell you, I don't feel confident in at, All at all. I really don't, but we'll see. Uh, I don't have anything to base that on other than my fear of him not wanting to play and maybe going for the money. He's 37 years old. There's a few things in there that make me concerned. So, well, then he
2: turned, he's turned down more money in order to just like, he could have gotten more money than this if he was willing to move. Right. So I think, I think there's more important things at play here than money. Like I'm willing to bet the reason that they didn't pick up his option were that he only had one place to go. <laughs> I think he let yeah. him know, I'm going here in Atlanta. He wasn't going down to Miami. Yeah. Uh, if he was willing to go to New York, I'm sure the Yankees would have been more than willing to pay over $15 million for him.
0: 100%. Okay, fair enough. Good point.
2: Good point. All right. Oh, no, uh, He should have think- went to Toronto. All those games are being played in Tampa Bay. <laughs>
0: Woo! Yeah, the Tampa Bay Raptors, man. I can't wait. All right. That's uh, Anything else, guys? Anything else on your mind before we get the hell out of here?
1: I'm good, Matt. Did you find what you were looking for in Arenado? No, or? I did not with Arenado.
2: But you know, no, <laughs> he did find what that, he's that occur- looking for. <laughs> that occurred to me. Uh, what you were saying though about maybe they're just overly, um, yeah, you know, like conservative. Conservative, like you said, yeah. They're always conservative, but it's yeah. just a, it's a it's an interesting thing because projecting last year is literally the most interesting thing we can currently talk about. So yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna DM them. Hey, what's up with Seager and Arenado <laughs> compared to Yellick? Well, how come someone's 2020 matters and another person's doesn't? Because how can Yellow 2020 not make his 2021 look crappier if yep. Arenado's drags his so badly?
1: Yeah, I'm with <laughs> you. All right, I got you. Okay, fine. I need, fine. I
2: need to know, Steamer. I'm <laughs> coming to ask you.
0: <laughs> All right, well, hey, that's it. This is the podcast. Thanks for listening. I am Michael Govier, your host. You can catch me on Twitter at MJ Govier if you prefer. And, of course, our Twitter handle for Rotofonetic.com at MJ roto underscore phonetic. paul tell people where they can find you and what's going on
1: yeah you can find me at Paul amino fantasy on twitter um i'm working uh, on some stuff that we're hopefully going to be able to release soon with the data monster and a few other projects that i've been working on so look out for that yeah. in the future
2: yeah i'm really excited about it i really am what about you matt uh just constantly working on the the player breakdowns at the moment just going through, trying to figure out uh, what the heck to do with the, uh, with the projection systems now. Now, that I, have that, now I have a yeah. project in mind in my head that I want to do. Uh, we didn't Ooh. discuss any pitchers in this episode. We don't hate pitchers, anybody, we swear. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Matt Williams M-E-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-A-M-S. Follow Roto Fanatic Roto underscore Fanatic. Yeah, I was
0: thinking next week we'd do some pitcher talk. And, of course, don't forget the Turn 2 pod, which is also available on this feed every Tuesday. What did you and Dave talk about this past Tuesday?
2: All outfielders, we went on for like two hours just talking about the early ADP for outfielders. We literally talked about everybody. Someone asked us the most interesting question, which was unfair. What was our favorite values that we were completely comfortable with in the outfield after pick 450?
0: Wow. (laughs) How
2: can you be comfortable with a pick after 450? We did answer it. As best as we could. But yeah. Oh we, we t- to give everyone an idea, we talked about every outfielder on that show. Jeez. That's uh, an it's oxymoron. Like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> <I> just, just,
0: <laughs> Can't it? But, hey, uh, Dave is a guy, you know, actually, you and Dave are guys that we really believe in your choices. So I can actually see some validity in that. I do. I see that. All right. uh, We'll be back next week, uh, and I think we'll talk more about pitchers. Maybe we'll do sleepers and busts for starters and relievers. Who knows? We'll let you know. Stay tuned at Roto underscore fanatic, rotofanatic.com. I'm Michael Govier from Paul Mimino and Matt Williams. We'll talk to you next week.